We are back for another episode, the 12th episode of this podcast, actually, just to mention. It's kind of funny that we've been so far since just the first episode, and now we're on our 12th episode. Chris, the Cubs just got their shortstop, Dansby Swanson, seven years, $177 million, free agency, is somehow still here. After all we've been through, it's been tough signing after signing. And it's obviously a lot to keep up with. Chris, I don't know about you. I've been totally immersed in this free agency. Yeah, no, it's definitely been one of the better and more active free NLB free agencies that we've had in, in a while. Uh, I still kind of have a little scar from, I believe it was the Bryce Harper free agency when nothing happened until the very last minute. And then he got his major deal. And then that's when all the other free agents started to sign. And I understand why that one played out the way it did. I mean, Harper was the big name. Everybody wanted him and nothing was going to happen until he moved. But I'm glad to see that baseball and specifically the the general managers of the teams realized that while that might have been a good way to go about doing it, it didn't create a lot of buzz and popularity for the sport. It didn't help grow any interest in there. So I'm glad to see that this year they kind of took a different approach where they said, listen, Aaron Judge, you're the big ticket. Everybody wants you. But we don't care. We're going to go out and get anybody else that we can to help our team. And if you decide to take your time, that's fine. You know, go for it. But we're not waiting around for you. We're going to go out. We're going to sign guys that are going to help us now. And then, you know, if we still have some money left over that we can interest you in, we'll, we'll sign you. But we're not letting you hold us up. And I think that's been a much better path to creating the interest in, in Major League Baseball. I mean, one of the things that if you look at, MLB compared to the NFL is the NFL seems to always have a story that breaks at least like a big story like once a month to keep your interest in the NFL to keep people talking about the NFL and the latest happenings and that doesn't really happen with the NBA or the MLB and I think this year we're kind of seeing the MLB taking a page from the NFL and saying listen to help grow interest in the sport to help keep people focused on us we need to kind of have some stories breaking every every few weeks at least once a month or anything like that and so you're kind of seeing that um happen this year the Aaron Judge was a big ticket he finally signed but even before that you still had a lot of other deals that went through the Mariners made that big trade for Teoscar Hernandez and then also one for Colton Wong and that helped some keep some interest and popularity going and now we're to the latest with Dansby Swanson signing with the Chicago Cubs and I gotta say I like that signing for the Cubs I think it fits in well with them he's 28 years old he's gonna be 29 when the season starts and at the end of the contract he's gonna be what is that 36 36 years old I think um, so he'll still have some some productivity left in there that you know hopefully the Cubs are able to build correctly around Swanson and some of their young players and they won't basically waste the rest of Swanson's career. He'll be able to help them get to the playoffs and help them capture another NL Central. Listen, I think that's just we as baseball fans in general. We're just anxious people and we don't like raiding around. We have no patience for players just taking their times and contracts. I think we just want things to get done. And 
I think especially now where there was so much in the line, there's so much money that got that were used and so much money in the air. And I, I think that now we've kind of got a clear picture of what the 2023 season looked like. Now that all the big phrases for uh, signed, like we mentioned, judge Correa and now Swanson Verlander and two of the international prospects, really Singa and Matasaki. So I think this has definitely been a fun for agency, but, um, yeah, I think just baseball fans naturally are anxious. And now that Swanson is out of the way, he he got paid 177 for seven years. Good for him. And like you said, he's not too old. And I think for him, he has now established himself as a force to be reckoned with, especially with that season that he had over with Atlanta this past year. And he's only 28. So in seven years, he'll be around 35, 36. And in 2022, the the year that he had that 277 batting average, 329 OPB, 447 slugging with the 776 OPS and 25 home runs along with 177 hits. So Swanson is clearly an upgrade for Chicago they're going from Nico Horner, who is a above average, although he did have a very impressive year over in Chicago. I think Swanson is kind of the is, is more of the player that you can rely on. I think he's more reliable than Horner because I think in Horner's case he may just be. While he had a great offensive year, I'm not sure that will continue. He hit 281 in 2022 this past year with a 327 OPB. So I, I'm not I'm not so sure that he he can keep this up because he did hit 302 in 2021. Besides, aside from playing just 44, this was his first full season. This was his rookie season. He played 80 games. 100 games between from 2019 and 2021. So he's been in the league, but this year was kind of his first full year and kind of his first year to prove himself. And I think he did prove himself, but I'm not sure. I'm sure that the Cubs would rather Dansby Swanson, who is an established shortstop and is a one-time monster and gold glove winner. And he has experience in the playoffs because he did win the World Series with Atlanta back in 2021. So I think this, this was a nice move. On Chicago, listen, they gave the amount that the right amount of money. It's not an overpay. It's definitely the right amount. Maybe he could have gotten a drop more. And overall, just a nice move from Chicago. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Horner is probably stretched a little bit at shortstop. He's probably definitely better at, as a second baseman. And the comp you can easily com- draw to Horner is he's Jeff McNeil, a guy that's going to hit for a good average, crack you a few home runs, maybe 10 to 15 max in a season. Now, the big difference is Horner has a little more speed and steals more bases than McNeil does. Last year, Horner stole 20 bases. I think that's probably what he could do over the course of a full MLB season. He's not a speed demon by any means, but he's a pretty he's got some speed to him. And he's pretty smart on the base path, so he's going to be able to 
pick and choose. I mean, he stole 20 bases, and more importantly, he's only caught stealing twice. So that's a pretty good success rate that he's got going on there in, in stolen bases, and that's something that is going to be most likely his calling card in the MLB. Um, flipping over to Swanson, something that's been pretty uh, – that catches my eye. Going back to 2020 when they only played 60 games, he played – uh, he played all 60 games in that season. In 2021, he played 160 games out of 162. And then last season, he played all 162. So he, or I shouldn't say all of 162. He played 162, which led the major leagues in in most games played. So he's a very healthy person and a very healthy player. And that is something that cannot be taken for granted. It's great to have a lot of, talent and be a major league player but it's not any good if you're sitting bench for a majority of the games yeah and like i was saying before now the cubs have kind of checked out their lineup and hey like now they they're slowly building up again they signed jmo now they signed swanson they got Bellinger. So th- I think they're slowly piecing it together. I think that Carter Hawkins over there as general manager is kind of doing something positive there. And I think the Cubs are definitely making positive strides. And although there's a lot to be done, the rotation needs to be zoned in on. The lineup needs to be fixed up a little. Need to fix up defensively and offensively. But they're definitely making strides. And I'm liking what I'm seeing over there from Chicago because right now everything is going right for them. And if they keep building off of that, now that they have Swanson and now they, they kind of supplemented that rotation with Tyone and got that center field piece or outfield piece with Bellinger, I think that now you have that veteran presence in the lineup and in the rotation. So now you just build from there. Yeah, I would I would say that the Cubs should sneak up on some teams this season. I mean, you you think of all the star talent that they lost in Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, uh, Rizzo, all those guys, but they've put together a, a fairly solid and adequate lineup there. Like you mentioned with Bellinger, now with Swanson, Nico Horner, there another season with Chris. Uh, Christopher Morrell getting some experience another season for Seiya Suzuki as well the rotation definitely needs a lot of work I mean Stroman Hendricks and Tyon not the worst one through three but where's your ace I mean those are all a bunch of guys that are probably second and third pitchers on, on a lot of staffs out there but you know they're they're good um their catcher is probably going to be Jan Gomes to start the season who's been all right you know so they've got some depth i i could i don't i I wouldn't pencil them to finish last in the nl central i think that honor still goes to the pirates i'm sorry pittsburgh pirates fan but you guys have a ways to go before you kind of get back into some relevancy but you are on the right path but for right now i think the cubs are probably going to finish maybe third in in the division at, at best i think it's still the cardinals as as the top dog um I think the Brewers might still be better than them, but the Brewers lost some. So, you know, the Cubs, I think, will be a team. And I, I would not be surprised if they kind of – whatever the expectations are for them this season, I wouldn't be surprised if they overachieved that a little bit. 
I think that the Cubs have always been since really their stretch a couple years back. Those were kind of the prime Chicago Cubs, and now they've got rid of all their talent. Like you mentioned, they got rid of Baez, they got rid of Rizzo, and now they're trying to build back up. But I think they're really doing a great job of getting back to those elite Cubs. Obviously, they have ways to go, but you mentioned that they're kind of make, they're making strides, and their lineup may not have that ace. And of course, every lineup and every really team requires that ace to rely on and to really just employ and to have on a daily basis. And I think from a rotation standpoint, the Cubs do have ways to go because they don't, obviously they don't have that starter to fill in, but I'm kind of liking this Cubs rotation because what we have and with Tyone, with Kyle Hendricks, who is more of a slow, he's more of a slower velocity in terms of velocity, but he kind of does the job. Justin Steele has kind of has emerged as a force to be reckoned with, as we've seen from past here. Strowman and Keegan Thompson as well, and Hayden Wesneski, who the Yankees sadly traded away to the Cubs. He is really just someone to pay attention for because he's definitely someone special because that kid can pitch. Mm-hmm. He threw just six. He pitched six games, 2.18 ERA with the Cubbies through 33 innings pitch and 33 strikeouts, funny enough. So Wisniewski is someone to look out for. And not only that, just taking a look at the Cubs' prospects, uh, they definitely have a nice bunch of prospects who are really on, on the cusp but getting called up very soon. Brent, you have Brandon Davis, the three outfielders pulling up the Cubs' top 30 on MLB.com, MLB Pipeline. The Cubs, the first three prospects are outfielders. And funny enough, the Cubs' outfield is pretty stacked right now. You have Orrell, you have... Bellinger, you have Ian Happ, and I have C.S. Suzuki. So where are they going to go? Because you have Pekar Armstrong, who they got from the Mets. You have Brandon Davis, Ken, Kevin Alcantara. And Chris, like you said before, they don't, they're missing that catcher, but they do have Moises Ballesteros and Miguel Amaya. Ballesteros is only 19. He just signed with the Cubs in 2021, but I'm liking his, his bat. His arm is very solid, and he spent the year over in single A with the Middle Beach Pelicans. He had a very solid year. Offensively, he hit 248 with a 394 slugging. Obviously, that's not much expecting out of a catcher because catchers don't usually hit for average. But definitely a very solid year from Valsteros. And I think in a few years, if barring that the Cubs don't sign a catcher, I think the Cubs have definitely something brewing. Yeah, yeah. And one other name that we've kind of forgotten about who showed some real strides and real promise is pitcher Adbert Alzole. He was, until he got hurt, he was starting to make some strides, uh, I believe, with his slider. Uh, it was a devastating pitch that he had. Now, his 
his last season like wasn't the greatest if you're looking at like just his era but his k rate was up and he was looking like a guy who could get a lot of swing and misses and he's still pretty young i mean he was born in 1995 um which i was 10 at that time that just that's <laughs> anyways um but he, he was making strides, and I don't know if he'll ever be the, the ace of their staff or anything like that, but he definitely, I would say, if he's fully healthy, I could see him being the ace with this staff. Like I could see him better being better than Tyon and Strawman and Hendricks. Uh, he'd definitely be the guy who would probably lead the team with strikeouts. I mean, I think that would go pretty pretty well without saying. But, um, you know, if he's healthy and you add him with the guys we've talked about for the rotation – they may be that may be a decent a decent start to a rotation um so yeah i think the cubs are on the rise the cubs are definitely uh on an upward trajectory and i think that's what all cubbies fans want to have because they have not been too too great for for a little bit of time now so yeah just to expand on what you said azolai is only really had his first full season in 2021 when he threw 29 starts. And he's kind of been hampered due to injuries. And that's kind of thrown him and derailed him the past couple of years. But like we were saying before, I'm not I'm not so sure that he'll be their ace. But I definitely think that he'll be a nice commodity and a great component to that Cubs rotation to kind of enhance the rotation, give him a little boost. We'll see. He's again. He's twenty-seven, so he's kind of closing into the age where he'll hit his prime, hopefully, and maybe emerge as a as a top thirty, top twenty pitcher in the game. We'll see how things pan out. But from the season that he had in twenty twenty one, that was his first full season. Twenty nine games. He threw twenty one games, twenty one starts, four point fifty eight ERA. A little concern. In that regard, but I, I guess we're gonna see because he the potential is definitely there, and I I'm just excited to see where he goes from here because the Cubs, like I said, the Cubs have a lot brewing and there's a lot going for them right now. And if they keep adding to what they have, in a couple of years, Cubbies fans, speak up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> okay, fine. So. Now that we've covered those two signings with the Cubs, I think there's one little surprising factor that came with the Carlos Correa signing is a little bit of a surprise to the to the baseball world. His physical is still pending, and they I've st still not introduced him because there is some sort of flaw in his physical. So I think I'm not really sure what exactly happened, Chris. Um, what's going on here? Yeah, I've, I've been trying to figure this out. Has there been any reports that come out to say exactly what is holding this up? I know they've the Giants postponed it because of a medical concern in his physical, um, but I haven't seen or found anything that said exactly what it is. Now, I do understand that there it's not for us to know what's going on with Carlos Correa and his health. That's private. That's personal. That's for him. And by all means, I don't have an issue with 
them not disclosing that. But at the same time, like without knowing it, your mind can only race as to what this could mean for his contract and for that team. Like, I don't think the Giants would go back and basically like rip up the deal and say, listen, you're not healthy, so we're tearing up this deal. I, I think they still would keep that deal because one, they need a shortstop and two, he's a big name that can help keep some eyes on them. And obviously I think having him be the consolation prize to missing out on judge definitely helps. So I don't think there's any concern that the two sides will somehow fall apart and Correa would go back onto the free agent market or anything like that. I think what most likely would happen is you'd see some restructuring in that contract, possibly some incentives based on how many games he plays, um, you know, anything that could help the Giants kind of cover their concern, again, depending on whatever this, you know, for what we know now, this mysterious ailment in Korea, um, just to help cover their, their side of it. But I think you would see Korea still be part of the team, still be there on opening day. I think you just see some re- tweaking of, of some minor details within the contract. It's quite, it's definitely quite unlikely that the giants will revoke the contract. I'm quite certain that that's not the case. I think it's, this is kind of more of a, just kind of clearing things up and confirming they didn't, they didn't release it. Uh, they haven't revealed what exactly this medical flag was but Correa has been on the injury list seven times in his career so that that's obviously not the cause for this validation of the contract but I definitely think that's something the Giants need to consider because over his eight-year career he's been quite injury prone and now that you've clipped him to a massive contract hoping expecting that they'll confirm the contract. And I, I think that it's just really, it's a matter of can he stay healthy because a healthy Carlos Correa is a, is one of the, one of the really one of the faces of the game. And he's always been a face of the game. And we haven't heard a lot from him in the past few years because he's just been hampered by injuries. So I think barring all health issues, he's one of the best in the game, but the giants need that because now the Giants have centered their organization around him, and he's now that spotlight. So will Carlos Correa stay healthy? Yeah, yeah. And another thing that comes to mind, too, is just he signed a big deal with the Twins last season, and there wasn't this that this this ailment or whatever it is didn't, didn't come up. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, is this something new? Did he just pick this up this year? Or has he always had it and – teams never really balked at, at the concern or anything like that. And the Giants are the first one to say, whoa, wait a minute, hold on. This is this is actually kind of a big deal. Um, you know, so it, it, again, it's just all this is very curious. But it, like I said earlier, it goes back to kind of keeping some eyes and interest in in Major League Baseball because now everyone's talking about what what is going on with Korea and this entire situation. So, yeah. It's uh, it's not good for him personally, probably. It's probably not great news for the Giants, but for uh, the MLB, it probably is a little nice to, nice uh, storyline to have going on during some, some downtime. 
we will see what exactly happens with Correa. I'm, I'm excited because this is kind of something that you don't see very often where players where the contract isn't confirmed and now you're kind of waiting on that, hey, is there something wrong? Is there a flaw? Is there an issue that we should be aware about? Because now the Giants are like, hey, maybe, like you said, Chris, maybe some of this contract money, maybe some of this guaranteed money should be retracted. Maybe it should be 300 instead of 350 Because it's 13-year deal, 350 that's a lot of guaranteed money. Of course, with incentives and everything that entails with it, but I think this is gonna it's gonna be interesting to see where what what comes out from here, and I'm kind of anticipating like I'm kind of I'm not exactly sure what type of ailment you can have, but it's Carlos Correa, and the amount of times he's been injured, you never know. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely not the beacon of health, that's for sure. <laughs> so, I'm sure you, we're not going to really be able to cover this because over the next couple of days, Chris is going to have his vacation. So, we're going to have a break from the pod. We're actually working on a intro music and a logo, almost done the logo. We have a few options. We're going to narrow it down for you guys, get some intro music in there, so, Chris, I hope you enjoy your days off, but when we come back, let's hope that we hear about Korea. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll get some information between now and then. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if things were slow around around the holidays, especially uh, Christmas on the 25th or anything. But, yeah, I think there, would, I think we'll get some more updates on Korea. I wouldn't be surprised if we got an update tomorrow on the latest with that. Now we take a look at J.D. Martinez, who signs with the L.A. Dodgers one year, $10 million, really high in bloom. Really, Boston, you, you couldn't spare an extra $10 million to sign one of your most productive players. Is, is that really what this is coming down to, where now you can't afford one of your best players to bring him back, and now he's leaving, and he may not come back again. But one thing to note is that J.D. Martinez obviously did not. His first few seasons, sorry, just correct myself, this past year, J.D. Martinez did not have the most productive year. He did, the first few months were quite successful. He was climbing. He was had the highest average in baseball. And then he just completely dropped to a 274 final average. He hit only 16 home runs. Obviously, that 146 hits. But for JD, what I'm thinking is that if he didn't derail in those last few months, could we have seen the Red Sox bring him back? Because pulling up his fan graphs and those splits from the from the beginning to end, the first half of the season, he had 302. The second half, he had 233. So that's a big jump. In 202, he hit a whopping 406. So I'm not exactly sure what happened. I think that he kind of got thrown off and he couldn't make the correct adjustments. But again, like I said, if not for that second half complete 
fallout would the Red Sox have brought him back and offered him more than $10 million? I mean, and just to piggyback on that, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but the Red Sox decided that J.D. is at $10 million for a year was not worth it. But two years of Justin Turner at $21 million, that was okay. I still mind-boggled what the Red Sox were doing with this offseason. But, um, yeah, like you said, with, with Martinez, he came on – he started off strong, faded at the end. you got to wonder if maybe – health or possibly age is getting to him and he's only 35 so he's not that old um but yeah it's it's very curious as to what happened with him in the second half of the season and you know the dodgers good they got a new bat they got a, another big bat that they can put in their lineup most likely this is kind of i don't know i guess like the better ver- hopefully they get the better version of him and he can be a more productive player and fielder and hitter than Cody Bellinger was for them. But um, yeah, it's, it's a good sign for the Dodgers. Can't nothing really to hate on them about or anything like that. It's one year. So if it works out fantastic, they can probably sign, extend them in season. If it doesn't work out, it only costs you 10 million. It'll be right back to where you were last year. So who cares? But honestly, this really bothers me because this is J.D. Martinez. He's a career 288 hitter. Um, I'm just kind of boggled that the Dodgers, he can only make $10 million off of the market, which has spent probably the most money in history. Like you couldn't give him another $10 million. doesn't really matter to me, but I'm just talking from the shoes of J.D. Martinez. Maybe he only wanted a one-year deal. Maybe he wanted a multi-year deal. And $10 million is con- considerably reasonable, but I think he could have gotten 15 to 20 because this is J.D. Martinez, like I mentioned. And he is a little on the older side. He's 35, like you said. But I still think he's that same productive guy because at the age of 35, from the first half of season that I – that I the aforementioned stat line, which I mentioned before, I think he there still is some gas left in the tank for JD, and we'll see what form of JD Martinez the Dodgers get this coming season. But I I just think that JD could have gotten a little more out of the contract. But on to the next Justin Turner. I just can't with with the Red Sox anymore. Um. There is not – I'm one thing I'm certain of is that they got Turner for DH because obviously you have Devers, Rafi Devers, who's employed there at third, and he's not moving unless the Red Sox somehow trade him. I don't know who you would get in return. It would definitely be a big haul in return for Mr. Devers. But Turner's going to be a DH guy was signed on a two-year – $21 million contract. Again, one of those confusing moves by the Red Sox because he's 38. So when his that contract ends up, when the contract finishes, he'll already be in that 40 stage. And is he still going to hit? Because the year he did have a 278, 350, 438 year. 
with 13 home runs. So his bat is obviously not regressing, and he's still able to hit and be productive. But in, towards the end of the year, when he slowly starts to feel that elderliness as, I mean, 40's not old, but in terms of baseball, <laughs> I think that's a little on the older side, so will he kind of regress as the year goes, and if he's getting more money than Jaden Martinez, who's three years younger, was that the best option? Yeah I, yeah, I mean, it's very hard to figure out the thinking of the Red Sox brain trust. I mean, like you said, his, his bad and average has still been really good you know, the last two seasons, it was 278. Prior to that, it was 307. But again, that was in a shortened COVID season. And then the year before that, it's 290. Before that, 312. And before that, 322. So he's definitely a good hitter. That part, I think, will still continue as he gets older. He's a career 289 hitter. Now, the thing that we're starting to see some decline in already is the power, uh, specifically like home runs. He hit... 27 in 2021 last year he only hit 13 and that's a big drop now granted he did play in about 25 ish well 20 23 ish games less than he did in 21 so are we looking at a guy who's already starting to maybe break down a little bit grant he was playing third for the dodgers now if he's going to the red sox and he's only playing dh he should stay a little bit healthier because all he's got to do is just stand at the plate and swing the bat. So I think that could help him be more available, which would be beneficial to him. And then maybe that extra amount of games he's picking up can help produce some more home runs over the course of the season for him. But there is concern about his power uh, dropping. I mean, in 2021, his OPS was 832 and last year it was 788. That's kind of a big drop in there, so we'll see what it what it goes forward with the 2023 season. I think that's kind of granted, and I think that's kind of a given for an older guy, because usually the older guys kind of decline in power. I think that's I think that's kind of common for an older guy, especially unless you're like Albert Pujols, who was able to hit over 700 home runs at the age of 40. Um, but your average player who is in the late 30s is typically not going to hit more than 10, 50 home runs. But, yeah, that definitely is a concern. And especially if you're going to pay him more, like I said, if you're going to pay him more than JD, who's three years younger, maybe paying a guy who's not going to hit as many home runs is not worth it. So I'm just kind of... I'm not so clear in terms of the means for this deal. Um, but we'll see how, how things pan out for the Red Sox. Maybe 20 home runs will be will turn up for Turner. Maybe he will have that power. But I think it's only a matter of now that they know and now the Red Sox have that third baseman and just now they have that DH and now they'll stick to Turner for the next two years, and they don't want to worry about employing that role. On to probably the most disappointing move for me, and as we were talking about before, Chris, probably for you and almost any other team that wanted him because 
he can play almost anywhere because I think he's Mr. Playable. Because I don't think there's one position he hasn't played. And he's been hitting. So why wouldn't you want a player who can pretty much do everything? Brandon Jury signs with the Los Angeles Angels. Two years, $17 million. Another big move by the Angels. They've been probably the most active team in this offseason. And I, I'm kind of liking what they've done this year. But I think Brandon Jury was kind of a letdown for me and you, Chris, because Jury is that versatile guy. He is that guy you can platoon almost anywhere. In this past year, he's spent a lot of time for different teams in his career. He went from the Dimebacks to the Yankees to the Blue Jays to the Mets to the Padres. And before the Padres was the Reds. So in 2022... Pulling up his baseball reference, he had 136 hits, 28 home runs, 263 average with a 2.6 war and a 435, 434, 492 slugging and 813 OPS. So this is a guy that was contacted by, I think, pretty much every team in baseball. So this is kind of a letdown, Chris. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for Mariners fans out there, they're, you know, he's probably not the biggest name and not all the fans would probably recognize him and they're probably like, who and why do we sign him? But the truth is, like, he can play first, he can play third, he can play in the corner, outfield, and specifically for the Mariners needs it being left field. So, yeah, he was a, like, a perfect fit for their team because he can give some rest days to France at first, give some rest days to A. Eugenio Suarez. Both those guys were nicked up and kind of injured down the stretch last year because they played a lot of games. So having a guy like Drury who could go from one corner to the other corner and fill in for a couple of days here to give him a break and then also go out into left field and be the platoon guy there with Jared Kelnick, that would be perfect for the Manners. I mean, it's kind of interesting. He's a right Drury is a right-handed hitter, but he hits 248 for a career against right-handed pitchers and against left-handed pitchers, he's 299. So again, for the Mariners, you know, instance, having Kelnick be the right-handed masher as a lefty would be perfect for him because that's always got to focus on is worry about hitting righties. And then you're not really losing anything when a lefty's on the mound because you can put Drury in at left field and he can crush lefties and play an adequate left field in there next to Gold Glover and all-star Julio Rodriguez. So yeah, Drury would make a lot of sense for the Mariners. And like you're saying, he'd make a lot of sense for a lot of teams out there. He just, he's a good hitter. He had a career year last year. So you do have to have that kind of pause in there. I mean, he's never hit above 15 home runs or above 16 home runs in a season. Last year, he hit 28. 20 of those came with the Reds and one of the most offensive parks in the majors in Great American Ballpark. So he also played in the most games uh, he's ever played in a season at 138. And his average did kind of dip a little bit as the season went on. But I'd say more of that was just the fact that he moved from an offensive ballpark in Cincinnati to a pitcher's park in San Diego, where he hit 274 with the Reds and 238 with the Padres. So I think that's more of why you saw his average kind of dip rather than anything with him. I mean, he had his slump, but he was able to figure it out and get out of it. I think Drury is a good player. He fits a lot of needs for teams. He did get his first silver slugger last year, which is nice to see. Um, 
But yeah, definitely a disappointing loss for a lot of teams out there. And again, it's going to be one of those underrated moves that the Angels made that a lot of people will see the name of the headline and won't really think anything of it. But when you are paying attention to baseball and you see what he did, that's actually a quality move for them. It's it's a nice insurance policy for the Angels with Anthony Rendon at third and then uh, Jared Walsh at, at first. Uh, Rendon has been hurt, and it's a matter of can he be healthy at all? So Drury could be looking at being the third baseman all season long. Um, and then also if Jared Walsh can't turn things around, Drury can go over and play first base and, and be productive there. Uh, he could slide into the outfield and play alongside Mike Trout out there as well. So it's it's a good move for the Angels. I don't like saying that, obviously, as the Angels um, are not a favorite team <laughs> of mine being in the AL West and everything, considering that they decided to hit Jesse Winker last year when they thought that the Mariners were throwing at Mike Trout, which was a whole bizarre incident we won't go into. Um, yeah. it, it is a good move for the Angels. Yeah, just kind of just adding to what you said, the Angels, and going back to what I said before, the Angels have been all over this free agency. They traded for Renfro, they got Urshela, they signed Chris Devensky, they they got Jonathan Holder, and they've been just called Estevez, and now they get, and now they get Brandon Drury. So they're slowly piecing it together, and I would even compare them to the Cubs a little bit, because they're kind of that team. I mean, not really the Cubs because they have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. But taking away Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, who should really be on playoff contending teams, I think all the other players and outside of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, they're very comparable to the Cubs because the Cubs have those average guys. and They don't have top-notch talent. They have mediocre at best but obviously now with those upgrades, I think the Angels and Cubs have kind of been sneaky this free agency, and they've kind of made smaller moves. I mean, not smaller moves, but they've been quite active this free agency. They've been making moves, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from Chicago and Los Angeles. Obviously, you don't like Los Angeles because that comes from your division itself. But I, I've never had to think against Los Angeles, the Cubs, and the Angels. I've always been for them. Because obviously I like Mike Trout. Not the biggest fan of Shohei Tani. I, I feel that he gets a little too much attention. Whoa, what? I don't want to get in this too much because I'm sure you feel differently. No, actually, no. What is your opinion on Shohei Tani? I think he's phenomenal. I mean, he is able to pitch and hit and do both at a very high rate. And that's something that we haven't seen it in decades um and it's something that what he does is is amazing i mean the guy I, you're not gonna like this but i would say the guy deserved to get the mvp over judge last year i mean what he did was amazing i i don't have anything against judge definitely was fine and getting it i don't have a big deal about it but if you're asking me who i'm voting for i would have gave my vote to otani Okay, I think we're gonna have to end this podcast. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I definitely hear. I, obviously, there was, there was definitely some 
votes for Otani. He, he, the two votes that went to him out of the 30 were from LA representatives. So I'm going to have to vouch for Otani as well. I don't think against what Otani represents and the fact that he's a two-way player. But honestly, even <laughs> at the onset of his emergence, I wasn't such a big fan of him. I, I'm being honest. I, I really don't have a logical basis to say that I don't like Shohei Otani. But I don't know. I just I've never been a big fan of Votani. But we've gone on a nice tangent and <laughs> kind of a nice um breakaway from the from free agency. But I hope you enjoy the next couple of days, enjoy your few days off. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to the vacation for sure. I've never been to DC, so it'll be a lot of fun to get out there. Um Unfortunately, it sounds like some bad weather is going to be in the area, which won't be too great, but it's all right. It, we'll, we'll make the best of it. We'll find things to do. It's a vacation. It gets us away from the cold weather here in Indiana, um, and it's apparently only getting colder while we're going to be gone, too. But it will be a nice trip, nice getaway. Looking forward to it. Yeah, D.C. is definitely a nice landing landmark to visit. And yeah, I was kind of also expecting some snow down here in, in uh, New Jersey because I saw earlier in the week, the earlier reports were saying that we were going to get some accumulation of snow. We were supposed to get a huge blizzard, but that's kind of transitioned to rain and it's supposed to be a low 13, 15 degrees over the weekend. So I'm not looking forward to being caught in the freezing cold. But uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy DC and we'll see you guys next week.